When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I am Steve Seiper, and I am joined this week by Ken Lavin and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good, good. So, on this week, well not this week, excuse me, on this day, back in 1977, the Voyager 1 probe was launched from planet Earth, and surprisingly, uh, it's still going. It's still going strong, despite being approximately 14.2 billion miles away from Earth. Uh, it's made it into interstellar space, which means that it's outside of the sun's gravity, which is pretty cool, and it's the most distant man-made object. Um, put it in space, and it's seen a lot of things. But one thing that it hasn't seen, thankfully, is aliens. Now, if it did, and we happened to encounter aliens by some chance, and they came to invade Earth, who would you want to lead humanity's fight against the aliens? The fight against them? Yes, because, of course, we have to fight them, because that's that's just how we are. So, first up, we have Will Smith from Independence Day. Next, we have Tom Cruise, who's in not only one, but two alien invasion movies where he was the hero. He was in Oblivion in 2013, which I do not remember. And he was in Edge of Tomorrow in 2014, which I do remember. And then we have, last but not least, the man with no name himself, Zap Brannigan. <laughs> so I would it's- say Brannigan has more experience with aliens than... As being as living alongside of them for years. That's right. Good point. And he is right. the only one that like has military experience. Exactly. Yeah, I'm definitely extending Brannigan. Oh, easy. I mean, he does get the job done at the end of the day. Are there casualties? Sure, but you know, sometimes you got to just deal with it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. So yeah, I think he's the easy extent. Agreed. Now between Will Smith or Tom Cruise, I'm not really sure because in Independence Day, Tom uh, in Independence Day, Will Smith did kick a lot of ass, but he did need help to kick said ass. But I would say that that shows the sign of someone who is humble enough to realize when they need help. And he wins. You know that's what I'm saying? That's a leadership trait. Exactly. I don't think that's a negative. I think that's a positive. So I'm, I'm, so he, he gets my vote. I'm trading Tom Cruise. 
Yeah, yeah, no, also, I haven't seen either of the Tom Cruise movies, so... Me neither. Yep. Oh. That works, then. Tom Cruise, goodbye. <clears throat> Alright, so the first thing up this week is we need to clear up a little controversy. Apparently, the people of Rochester really like From Complex to Queens, because I received not just one, but two emails... From from Rochesterites, Rochesterians, about comments that were made last week regarding the garbage plate. So, according to the Rochester Red Red Wings website, a garbage plate is, quote, a mix of meat, in parentheses, burger or hot dog, on parentheses, home fries, macaroni salad, and topped with meat sauce. End quote. Now, I took that last part, meat sauce, to mean pasta sauce. Yes, that's what I would also think. Yes, okay. So apparently it is more of like a chili. Uh, apparently oh. a restaurant called Nick Tahoe Hots is where the original recipe originates from. They're still in business, and on their website, the recipe says that their, their sauce is a mixture of spicy mustard, chopped onions, and their own signature hot sauce. So we're talking Midwest, like Skyline... Chili stuff. Uh, I kind no. I mean, there's no like meat in it. That's I mean, true. Yeah. Spicy mustard, chopped onions, hot sauce, uh, whatever the meat is that they want to use. Apparently, this this their their website has a whole bunch of different meats. You could put chicken, you could put burger, hot dog, sausages. I don't know. And then they also add big beans to the mix, which the Red Wings do not include. Um, in garbage plates. So, I might have been mistaken about that part, but I will go down on record. I was not mistaken about the fact that that just sounds bad. I'm sorry. It's just an odd mix of foods. Like, I would never think to add all that stuff together. It's the macaroni salad, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mix up all that other stuff, meats and potatoes and, and hot sauce and mustard. That sounds good, but you go wrong with the macaroni salad. I don't know. I feel like if you put the macaroni salad on the side, that right. would be fine. Like right. alongside of this, I would I would understand a little more. But to put it all together is the interesting part to me. Yeah, that's a big no with them with them with that mayonnaise and also the big beans. I don't think that, that goes too well with all of that because they're baked beans. Like it has that kind of sweetness. Mm-hmm. Like chili, you have just like beans, but it you don't really taste it. Whereas this, the sweetness of baked beans, you have like the mayo-y kind of taste of macaroni salad, and then just no. I'm sorry. So I guess that I am um, a marked man. I'm banned from ever going to Rochester. So (laughs) I guess that's a big loss. I don't want to say it's not for our for the sake of our listeners up in Rochester. I respect your your city and whatnot, but yeah, oh well. I almost want to try it just to see. Like I'm I'm be curious to see like the textures and stuff involved here. Yeah, I mean, like I said, everything other than the, the those beans, the bean part, and the macaroni salad part sounds great, but. Yeah, I get you. Honestly, I kind of think it's interesting to go on a little tangent that that so many upstate cities have like their own city specific like regional cuisine. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, maybe it's just because of the dis you know, like upstate New York is pretty big. You don't really, you know, not not being there, it doesn't really impact me much. But like you, you do have like hundreds of miles between places. Yeah, it's way more stretched out than you would realize if you're in the city. Like, because we would go upstate a lot, me and my family in the summers, and it's like a long trek in between places. <laughs> like, yeah. and they're different. Like, the places are like regionally different because they're mm-hmm. not right next to each other. So it makes sense for that regard, you know? Yep. I mean, in in the context of like my daily life, it's just like, well, Brooklyn, Staten Island, food—it's all the same, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Uh, Go to you can go to Newark in Jersey, and the food that they have in Newark is not any different from the food that they're gonna have in, you know, Trenton or or somewhere on the Jersey Shore, or Cape May or whatever, you know, like. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, yeah, that that's an interesting thing with Rochester. With that, Syracuse has the the salt potato. Binghamton has Speedies, and I'm sure Buffalo has something. Albany, maybe I don't know, but. A lot of food. All right, well, speaking of Syracuse, I guess we can move on to them now. And they went 2-3, and three, uh, and they're playing the last game of the series against the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs right now as we speak. And that leaves them at 42-62 and 62 on the year, which is 21 games behind the first-place Buffalo Bisons. And they are going to be playing the Bisons this upcoming week. Uh, they've been surging lately. They actually... Recently overtook the Scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders first place in the AAA East Northeast, and you know we we've mentioned this a little bit, but we didn't really go into it in too much detail because we're a Mets minor league podcast, and Buffalo mm-hmm. is uh, Blue Jays affiliate. But you know Buffalo has had a very weird season this year because of the travel ban between the U.S. and Canada at the start of the season, and then. Um, uh, construction that was going on at Salem Field, Buffalo's home stadium. So basically, the Blue Jays kicked them out of their own home. Yeah. And they had to play in Trenton for like half of the entire year. Uh, but they're a pretty well balanced team. Um, they're fourth in the entire AAA East in OPS. They're first in ERA and, and, you know, Unlike Syracuse, quite a few of Toronto's top prospects are rostered there. Uh, as per MLB Prospect Pipeline's rankings, the number six Toronto prospect infielder Otto Lopez is there. 22nd top prospect outfielder Josh Palacios is there. 26th prospect right-hander Joey Murray. And then the last three, 28-29 and 30, are left-handers Zach Logue, right-handers Bowden Francis, and right-hander Curtis Taylor. Yeah, it's a fun team. And then in addition to those guys, they've also had three guys who were at one point or another considered top prospects but fell off lists. Forrest Wall, Logan Warmoth, Richard Arania, and then two guys that have graduated onto the majors recently who spent a lot of time with Buffalo, Kevin Smith and Nate Pearson. So that's a good team. Yeah, Uh, they're good. I'm not liking uh, Syracuse's odds. Those those teams are always fun to see your minor league team play, just because you get like a you get a grasp of other prospects and other top ones, and you know, like you get to see legit guys from another system. That's always yeah. nice. 
One thing though, I can't vouch for the accuracy of of the the you know where those players are in reality because you know sometimes nationalists are kind of oh yeah things change too yeah yeah I mean you know we're talking about twenty two twenty eight twenty nine thirty on on their list if you look at the Mets's list you know it kind of is funky so and team lists can be deceiving in that regard. Mhm. But yeah, hopefully uh Syracuse does okay. Hopefully they win at least one game. I think they should be good for at least one game. Yeah. One team that I can tell you with 100% certainty um is not going to win any well, excuse me. That did not win any games last week was Binghamton because their entire series against the Richmond Flying Squirrels last week. The whole thing got the kibosh because of coronavirus. So yeah. they're supposed to play Portland, the Portland Sea Dogs, this upcoming week, and I hope those those games actually get played because you know, quarantine period for the coronavirus is supposed to be two weeks. I don't know who actually was like testing positive, who was just exposed, who needs to quarantine, all that kind of stuff, but I'm assuming that some portion of the Rumble Ponies is going to miss another week, and that's going to yeah, happen. yeah. I would assume that um they play with a shortened roster mm-hmm. until those guys are back. Whoever tested positive, uh, Binghamton is right within striking distance of 500. So, like conceivably, they could finish the season strong and get to 500. So that'd, that'd be nice. Totally suck if though totally. they're not able to because you know guys aren't able to play. Yeah, it depends on who tests. Mm-hmm. Let's see, there's seven games under 500. They have 13 games left, and they, they take are, a run, but they could do it. Yeah, they're nine and eight against the Sea Dogs, and then they're three and three against their opponents in their next series, which is also the final series, the Reading Fighting Phils. So there is a chance, but definitely going to be tough. Um, Portland is a pretty good team. They've been jockeying with the Somerset Patriots for first place in the AA Northeast-Northeast ever since going on like a 15-game winning streak in mid-July. They are in the league fourth in OPS and ERA, whereas the Rumble Ponies are not. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like the Rumble Ponies are going to be able to dominate them or or the hitters are going to dominate the Portland pitchers or anything like that. Um Best player on Portland, easily Tristan Casas, Boston's top prospect or, or second best prospect, depending on where you want to put Marcelo Meyer in there. Then they also have two other prospects that are in Boston's top 10, right-hander Brian Bello and right-hander Brian Mata, who's actually on the DL right now. And then a bunch of other guys that are in their top 30. There's left-hander Chris Murphy, uh, our old friend Josh Winkowski, Thaddeus Ward, right-handed pitcher. He's also injured right now. Uh, catcher Rolando Hernandez. And great name for an infielder, Cameron Cannon. That's a great name. Mm-hmm. 80 great name right there. He's not technically a, a top prospect on any, on, on any lists at the moment, but Jason Groom also just got promoted there. And, you know, whatever he is at this point, he could still strike out a ton of people, so... He's still a dude who's interesting, just because, mm-hmm. like, there's the the name value there. Jersey's own. Yes. 
Ken, what's your take on uh, the entire Jason Groom nonsense that was going on? Uh, I don't really have one. Mm. I mean, he's he's going to pitch in the big league someday, even mm-hmm. if it's more Zabucky-ish rather than, you know, top, I, I, top I, I, draft pick. I mean more as a representative of New Jersey. Oh, he's he's from way down south, so I, that, I'm different. Okay, <laughs> that's kind of like the the funky part of Jersey. Yeah, he's from he's from Barnegat, I believe. Um, that's way down there. So I don't I don't vouch for them. I, I don't know what happens down there. <laughs> Not your people. No. So you think that uh, you think that the, the Rumble Ponies can get to 500? I, I have my doubts, unfortunately. Likewise. All right, moving on now. Speaking of doubts, the Brooklyn Cyclones, and they went 2-2 two and two against the Wilmington Blue Rocks with one game canceled because of the hurricane, and they're actually playing right now. The rubber game of the series is re-record, and I think, like, Francisco Alvarez led it off the home run, so that's kind of good, good news. But they are 41-63 and 63 on the season. Um... This week, this uh, this upcoming week, they're going to be taking on the first place Hudson Valley Renegades in another bootleg, no passion Subway Series because who the fuck cares about Wappinger Falls? But regardless of the excitement or lack thereof, as compared to the games of the Cyclones and the Staten Yankees, the Renegades really have kicked the Cyclones' asses this year. Brooklyn is yeah. nine and nine and twenty against them. <clears throat> uh, Part of that is because Brooklyn's pitching hasn't really shown up. Yeah, their pitching is rough. And part of it is because the offense has kind of been very streaky, very very hit or miss. And also, though, credit with credits due, the Renegades do have a really good team. Um, top top Yankees prospect Anthony Volpe. He's their shorting also starting Jersey's own. That's true. Is he from? He's from a better part of Jersey. I know he's from. He, like, he's from closer Morris. to where I live. Yeah, Morristown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I won't comment on if it's better or not <laughs> than Barnegat, but uh, closer to where I am. Mm. Um, in addition to him, there's also catcher Anthony Wells, um, outfielder Everson Terriera, right-hander Beck Way, outfielders Jake Sanford and Elisha Dunham, and uh, right-hander Matt Sauer, who are all in the top 30 on MLB's prospect pipeline list for the Yankees. So, yeah, I don't know. The, the Cyclones really felt like they've been dead in the water since, like, the first month or so of the season, despite having Alvarez, despite having Mauricio, despite at one point having Beatty, despite having now Palmer and Peraza. I don't know. What what do you think has gone wrong here? I think pitch. we've all gone to... I mean, they can't pitch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... It's, that's what it comes down to. You think it's just the pitching? Yeah, because like they even in games that they lose, they'll score like four or five, six runs sometimes, and then it just doesn't matter because they're just losing games because they don't have any pitching. And it's it, it's hard to consistently win games when you have to score a bunch to win because sometimes you just won't. Even the best, even the Dodgers will get shut out. Like talking about major league, so like it's hard to hit, and you can't constantly just rely on guys hitting over and over and over again. Sometimes it's just not going to happen, and you need to win other ways. 
like I think when rosters were released and everything like that, we knew that like the, the Brooklyn pitching was not going to be great. But at least I know I figured anyway. Like okay, the stadium would cover some of that up. And if you look at like the rosters in in the last couple of years for the Cyclones, they really haven't had great pitching. But there usually has been like one guy that kind of has anchored everything. Yeah. And you know, last season it was uh, Garrison Bryant. Of all people, not that he's bad, but I mean, he's not a bona fide top prospect kind of guy either. You know, they had Harold Gonzalez a couple of years ago. Um, you know, going back even more to the early 2000s, you had that insane pitching staff with Hansel Robles and, and Louis Mateo and, you know, that, that cast of characters, Rainy They Lark. always had good minor league pitchers, even if they weren't like, they didn't have like crazy high major league ceilings. Like, mm-hmm. They always had pitchers who you knew were going to go to like AAA and be good organizational depth guys. But even here now, it's like I don't even know how many guys they have there. That like it's just kind of dead with their pitching staff and their and their offense is fun. Even their like non-star offensive players are like solid, you know. Mm-hmm. Which is it's just a it's wild to see how like they how much they have to score to win games. Yeah, I mean. guy that was should have been the best pitcher on that staff is JT Ginn and he is not having a great yeah, time in Brooklyn. He's just not striking anyone out. He's just not missing bats really. Like even um this week he he had uh the game that I had on the minors report. So when I was like looking at it and stuff, he gave up he only gave up a run but he had seven hits and two strikeouts in like five innings. And it's that's the type of season it's been for him where even when he doesn't like give up a lot of runs and he has been sometimes it's just been a lot of balls in play and not a lot of strikeouts. And he hasn't been that dominating presence that you'd expect him to be. Also, of course he's coming back from a very serious injury. So whatever, but also Brooklyn needed him to be a little better than that for them to be like really good. Yeah. So here are the top, pitchers in Brooklyn in terms of innings pitched. You have Jason Valera, who has thrown 76.1 innings. Any guess what his ERA is in those 76 innings? 5.65. No. I was going to say 4.30. No. 7.55. Oh, I did not expect that. (laughs) that That is something else. But that's also, like, if someone wants to say, why isn't Brooklyn good with all those hitters, that's why. Like, that right there. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to go past that, like, <laughs> if you don't want to, you know? You know what the crazy part is? He doesn't even have the highest ERA among the guys that are, like, qualified. Cam yeah. Op. Cam Op has 50.1 innings, and he has a 769 ERA. Yeah. And then Luke Rennie... Luke Rennie is not qualified, but he's he's gunning for the for the for the trifecta. He has a six seventy five ERA right now. I saw him. He is not not good. No. <laughs> I love is, Luke Rennie though. Because yeah, like I want him to be good because I could like see that. So the my my favorite example for him was he struck out the not struck out the side, but he threw a scoreless inning in like the second inning, and he was like visibly pumped up on the mound. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, buddy, I'm rooting for you. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you just kind of root for the guy, but he throws 88, and it's all missing to the to arm side. So 
that's what you're you're gonna run like a high ERA when you're like that, you know? Mm-hmm. I saw Blue Granny when he came like his first start when he was with Columbia in in twenty eighteen. Oh no, excuse me, twenty nineteen. Maybe it was 2018. I don't even remember at this point. It doesn't really matter. But I became a fan because I randomly, you know, like I like to take pictures in addition to like mm-hmm. watching the guys and writing everything down. And I just happened to like take the picture and then tweet it. And I guess because who the hell is Luke Rennie? No one had any pictures of him or anything like that. So minor league baseball contacted me and they're like, hey, can we use your picture? I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So that's I will great. always, I will always be a Luke <laughs> Rennie fan. But yeah, his future is not uh, not that bright. Well, speaking of bright futures, there is one team that hasn't let us down all year, and that is the St. Lucie Mets. And they went three and three against the Jupiter Hammerheads this week, and they are fifty-five and fifty on the season. But Jupiter leapfrogged over them coming into the week, and they took control first place. And after St. Lucie being in first for like months and months now, they are leaving the season in second, they are leaving the series in second place, a game and a half out of first. And they're going to be taking on the Lakeland Flying Tigers this upcoming week. Luckily for St. Lucie though, Flying Tigers are not a good team. They are 45 and 61, and they only have one of Detroit's top prospects, uh, shortstop Trey Cruz. So. That's good for St. Lucie. Yeah. Also good for St. Lucie is that Jupiter is going to be playing the Daytona Tortugas, who are above 500. They are 54 and 53, and they've actually been on a roll lately. They've won seven of the last ten, so advantage St. Lucie. But really, this week... Yeah, I mean, honestly, it doesn't really matter because St. Lucie and Jupiter are going to be playing each other again for one more series in the last week of the season. So the only way that these games really matter much or you know, it's if one team loses every single game and then the yeah. other team wins every single game because the division is gonna come down to that last series. But St. Lucie is is I don't know, it's it's less of a good team now that, you know, the the Jalen Palmers, the the Perosas, the Gins have been promoted, but they've been Chugging along, and they've they've added those newish draft guys, but they haven't really been performing too well. Kevin Kendall has, right? He's the only yeah, one. Yeah, the, the hitters have been doing all right. Yeah, but the pitching is, you know, struggled a little bit there. But hopefully, uh, everyone is able to keep things going for just another week or two, at least to to end the season. In, in first and in, in the playoffs because yeah. we've seen enough collapses in our lifetimes. We don't and need also, to see you know, the minor league teams doing that too. Also, just making the playoffs is nice for uh, the kids. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, they'd all rather make the playoffs than not, I'm sure, even if the minor leagues is still about development at its core. Like, you still want, like, the, the Brooklyn Cyclones of 2019 probably really wanted to win that uh, Penn League World Series, you know? Oh, yes. Or whatever it is, championship, not World Series. I'm sure that there's also financial incentive in there for them, too. Oh, yeah, of course. course. Unfortunately, like, that matters so, so much. 
because fucking Major League Baseball doesn't want to play pay players because mm-hmm. a bunch of assholes. But yeah, um, the end of the year is coming up pretty soon. Kind of a bummer. It's always it. The end of the minor league season always kind of creeps up on me. Like it's always like all of a sudden over, you know. Yep. And it comes a month before the regular season, so mm-hmm. that's why. Because I kind of like equate them at the same time, mm-hmm. and they they one ends quicker. So. Yep. Just when you're, you know, <laughs> when you are getting prepared for the Mets to go on that run where they, you know, win. 10 of 12. And oh, like what they're oh, doing right now? And you're like, oh man, I believe. Just for them to let everyone down at the <laughs> end. Unfortunately, the miners will not be there to like cushion the blow. Well, now let's move on to, oh yeah, that guy. Where we talk about a Mets player that we probably have forgotten. And the guy that uh, I picked this week is someone that you guys probably have forgotten. Um, but as soon as I, I said the name, you'll be like, oh, yeah, Max Wattel. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> right. Literally. Yeah, Max Wattel. Um, he was born Boca Raton. Um, family eventually wound up in North Carolina, and he went to Marvin Ridge High School in Waxhaw which is a small town in southwestern North Carolina, right on the border between North and South Carolinas. He was really good in his uh, senior year there in 2015. He helped the Mavericks go to their first ever state championships, and he posted a 0-5-4 ERA in 65.1 innings with 19 walks and 120 strikeouts. So, love those strikeouts. He was... Considered one of the best players in North Carolina and one of the best left-handed prep pitchers in the upcoming 2015 draft. And sure enough, he was picked pretty early. Uh, the Mets selected him in the third round of that draft. He was the 88th player overall. And he did have a commitment to Arizona State, but the Mets were able to buy him out of that. They signed him for um, a seven hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar deal, which was about a thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars over uh, slot value. And he had a, a solid fastball-curveball combination uh, for a young pitcher, but really it was the, the, the crazy mechanics that he had that and 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 added a ton of deception to his pitches that really made him look like a a good pick at the time and a good addition to the organization. And he did look good in the limited time that he had with the GCL Mets that year. And then he got bumped up to Kingsport in 2016, and he looked pretty good there too. And then at the trade deadline, he was packaged alongside with Dilson Herrera, who was our, oh yeah, that guy last week. Look at that. Uh Uh-huh. Continuity. Love it. And yeah, so he went to Cincinnati in exchange for Jay Bruce in a trade where I think everybody was unhappy and everybody thought that they lost, so... Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That's, that's usually the sign of of of, of an actually fair trade or just a, a clusterfuck. I mean, I think it ended up being fair at the time for what, like, not at the time in hindsight because Herrera and Wotel were, as we're gonna say, not much of anything, and then Bruce had like a solid half season, like yeah, half, I mean, like he was like a solid major league player. 
Right. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, Bruce did play in the major leagues with the Mets for another year and a half or two years, whatever it was. So, and he was pretty solid for some of it. Like mm-hmm. he he also was hurt a bunch, and like it was a weird time, but it was kind of a weird fit, really. But yeah. So his time with the Reds was pretty brief. He threw very limited innings for the rest of that season because um, of shoulder fatigue. And then in 2017, he had labrum surgery to fix whatever was going on that was wrong in there. So he finally got back on the field in early 2018. He wasn't really that great, and the Reds released him, and that was pretty much it. Uh, he signed with the Sussex, Sussex County Miners, which is a team in the now-defunct Caman League in Sussex County, New Jersey. Ken, do you have any insight into that place? <laughs> it's pronounced Sussex. Sussex. Yes. The only Sussex County I know is in Delaware. It's where them boys live, the Briscoes. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so he played with them, but he didn't actually ever play with them because he had another injury, what Al did, and he tried coming back in 2020. Um, he was working at like one of those driveline-esque sports performance places, but he never actually got back to a professional organization because March 2020 is definitely the worst possible time. Jeez, yeah. Yeah, to, to try to get back into things. So he hasn't played, uh, in organized ball since, but he is getting married in a couple of weeks. So that's good. Congratulations to him, I guess. And one of his groomsmen is going to be Tyler Stevenson, who is the catcher in uh, Cincinnati, who's having a, a good season. But sure. Max Vettel is a big Trump guy also, apparently, so that's kind of douchey. I think guys like this, like, it shows how good major leaguers are, even, like, the random middle reliever on your team or, like, the random bench player, because, like, like, you said his numbers in high school. Like, no one hit him. And then he went to the minors and was, like, solid, and then it just didn't get past, like, the lower levels of the minors because it's just wild. It's such, like, there's so many levels to how good you have to be to even make it for, like, a month. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let alone, like, be a star. Oh, that's why they say, like, major leaguers are the top 1% of the 1% of the 1%. Yeah, it's, it's, and then... It's Actually, really cool. good major leaguers are like, whoa. But, yeah, that was – I mean, he was traded, so it doesn't really matter, I guess. But it's just disappointing he never really worked out because of injury and whatever else. But because, Mets- like, so, similar to Herrera, he was, like, a very legit, like, pick and prospect at the time. And Herrera was, like, a highly touted IFA guy. And Yeah, was, I mean, at, was, the, at, the, at the time, that was a very fair trade. Now, not having the context, you could be like, wow, you traded, they traded Jay Bruce for these two nobodies, but, you know, obviously yeah. at the time, you don't know that they're going to not really work out. And, you know, it, it sucks that Wattel didn't work out because that year the Mets did not have a first-round pick because of Michael Kadire. Oh, that was the Kadire one? So that yeah. was uh, yeah. Desmond Lindsay in round two, I think? Yeah, yep. And they drafted a, a, a bunch of really exciting um, preps pitchers that year. There's a lot of them, but unfortunately none of them worked out. You had Wattel in the third round. 
Thomas Zipucky in the fifth. Maybe he works out. I mean, I guess the the, the door. He could still open. theoretically work out. There's right. still like time for him to be a reliever or something. Uh, in the eleventh round, they drafted left-hander Jake Simon. In the seventeenth round, they selected Sixto Torres. In the eighteenth round, they selected Jordan Humphreys. So it was a lot of a lot of you know high upside. Well, I don't want to say high upside, but a lot of exciting high school pitchers that you know. Maybe if one of them sticks and, you know, really our, all of our hopes lie now on the shoulders and UCL of Thomas Zabucki, which is not the, the sturdiest uh, thing to be hanging on. But that's also like uh, uh, prep pitchers in general, like and pep, prep players in general. Like yeah. for all the ones that work out, there's like there's so much development time for them. There's so many ways for their development to go because they're so young. And it sucks. I mean, it doubly sucks, I guess, or triply sucks maybe in this. I don't know. But they signed all of those prep guys, and there was one of them that they drafted that they didn't sign, and he ended up going to college. That if they did sign him, damn, it would have made such a massive difference to this team, you know, to the minor league system over the last couple of years, and then to this team. I actually and, don't know who this is. So. Mm, he's another left-hander. Um, he was considered one of the better prep guys in the 2015 draft. He went to college, University of South Florida, and then out of college, Tampa selected him, Shane McClanahan. Oh, yeah, that would have helped. Yeah. I forgot they drafted him. Yeah. I mean, in that 2018 draft, the Mets did take, you know, Kellenick, so that kind of was better, but I guess they would have traded McClanahan in the... Maybe. Also, trade. I don't know. Yeah. Seattle might not have wanted McClanahan. You never know. Would have and Klenick is like can't hit the major, so <laughs> of course, yeah, he sucks. So. He's running like a one forty average or something. He's just like getting overpowered. Let's look Which, at Jared Klenick's Fangraphs page. Yeah, it's not good, Ken. No, he's really he's, he's clearly a bum. And you know, if the Mariners were smart, they would just send him back to the Mets. And he honestly, I don't know what you do with him though, because he's very clearly not like. He's above AAA at this point. Like, the, if you send him back down, it's just going to, I don't want to say waste everyone's time, but. Yeah, uh, like, there's nothing more to be gained, really. Yeah, but also, like, he's just not, he's just getting out in the majors. Like, he's not doing anything. He's not really hitting the ball well, you know? Like, so, I don't know what you do in that situation, which is a different topic for a different time because that's a more uh, long-form uh <clears throat> That's more long-form, like, prospect development question, and we've been on for a while. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's hard that. because there's no level in between. Like, you, he either has to hack it here or you have to figure it out some other way. That's for the Seattle Mariners version of this podcast to figure out from mm-hmm. from what, let's see, what are their... From, from Tacoma to Seattle? <laughs> Isn't that like a 10-minute walk? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Where is their complex? Arizona? I would assume so. From, from, so if we're doing from complex to Queens, they could do, 
it's very there's a lot of trees out there, right? So we could do from complex to trees, and that's <laughs> that's Washington State. Madum push from Modesto to Mariners. <laughs> From Modestins to Mariners. I like it. But, yeah. Alright, so, does anyone have any Lopanery to end this week? Not that I can think of. Which yeah. is probably not true in real life, but none that I've encountered in my recent days. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't think of any, you know, this, this week. With everything that happened this week, I can't think of New York City or, you know. Oh well, I mean, Jersey. we could talk about infrastructure and New York yeah, City so flooded. <laughs> how they did anything with their responses bad per se, but you know, with the amount of flooding that I got, with the amount of flooding that people have gotten in general, like maybe we should do more. Ken, how was it for you? Because I know you're out in Jersey and it was. So I, I'm on the top of the hill in. Hobart. Oh, so you were fine. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The bottom of the hill was real bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Well, I'm at the top of the hill, too, and that didn't stop my house from being <laughs> <laughs> There's literally a hurricane, like evacuation, you know, like the school, this is school across the street from me, and they are like the designated hurricane, flooding, whatever, evacuation place, and everything here just flooded because the amount of, of rain that came down that the, the, the sewers and, and whatever yeah. else couldn't just handle. Yeah. So, yeah, may, it would be nice if maybe, like, we can invest I, a little more in infrastructure and whatnot. I, I understand previously New York not having any of this stuff because, like, because before global warming really started in earnest, like, we didn't get these things, like, my entire childhood, there was no, especially, I'm from Brooklyn specifically, so we just never got this stuff. Mm-hmm. But now it's starting to happen so often, you can't just be like, oh, well, it doesn't happen here, because now it very much does happen here. <laughs> I mean, literally in the span of like a week, we had two different hurricanes. Yeah, like, at some point, like, <sighs> you're gonna have to realize that things are changing as a city, and you're, you have to start not letting the subways get flooded and people's basements get flooded every, like, like, three or four times a summer, because that's just not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Although I had work the very next day, and the R train was running, so God bless the R train. Yeah, I was on the train the next day, too, and it was fine. So, like, <laughs> even, though I hate, even though I hate the R train, because oh, it's so as fuck, but... The R sucks. It does. All right, if anyone has any questions, comments, or whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex2queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I am at Steve Sleiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at SadMedSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.